Hey, good morning again. Good morning. I don't know about you, but I enjoyed the time of worship. Did you guys enjoy that all right? Okay. I was really, what I was looking for was a, if you enjoyed it. Yeah. No, hey, good, good to, to, uh, to worship here at City Lots. We think worship is really important. Uh, in fact, that's why we gather, is we, we gather to worship God through through, through music, through singing, through the proclamation of his words, the teaching of your children. So um, just, man, always glad to, to be a part of that. We start this new series this morning. You, you guys, if this is your first time here, you picked a great Sunday to come. We're starting this new series called Black Box. This is going to be a seven-week series on basically how do we deal with wisdom? How do we understand wisdom? And when you think of a black box, you think of an airplane as it crashes, they search for the black box in there. You think of a, a train if it crashes this most recent Amtrak when they, they went for the black box to find out in, those, in, the, in the moments of despair what was in there. And often great wisdom can be learned from their mistakes. Over the next seven weeks, though, what we're going to do is we're going to look inside our black box and learn how do we discover what wisdom is before we get to a, a, a catastrophe. That was a catastrophe trying to say catastrophe. So, whoo, Jesus, take the wheel this morning. I need to back off on those big words like that. So that's kind of where we're going is not necessarily every decision is not absolute wrong or right, but more so dealing with the lens of wisdom on how we make decisions. And I want you to notice, basically, I'm going to give you guys a little insight to the preacher's world, at least for this preacher. I always try to give you a bottom line for every message. And some of you, you may be like, what's the bottom line? Basically, the bottom line is my sermon in a sentence. And this is our bottom line for the entire series. We must embrace the uncertain if we're going to see the unbelievable. I mean, we've got to learn how to embrace those things that we're not sure what the future looks like. And I mean that both personally in our lives And I mean that in our church life as well, that if we're going to see God do the unbelievable, we've got to learn how to embrace the uncertain. Does uncertainty ever scare anybody? Do we have any control freaks in here? Okay. Yeah, I hear you. I think there's a lot of us like that. So that's what we're diving into these next seven weeks is wisdom. How do we make the, the best decision for our lives? And more importantly, what I want us to kick off this series with today is understanding how God will often work in our lives. We're calling this part one, you had to be there. You had to be there. Has anybody ever had this thought? Because this, this is the tension we're going to deal with this morning. Is Have you ever had this thought, why am I where I am? You ever thought that with a relationship or work or how did I get here in life? Three people have thought that, so that's good. The rest of you, all just hang out with me, okay? We're going to be answering the question, why am I where I am? And calling this this. First one, you had to be there, and several weeks ago, I knew that we were going to be doing this series, and I heard this great, great message that has some principles that I'm going to share as an outline in this message, but I think this is going to be relevant to everybody in here. Listen, if you are a Christ follower, if you don't follow Christ, if you're skeptical of Christ, but certainly if you're needing Christ to help you take a next step, this is going to set some people free. If you've ever wrestled with attention, why am I where I'm at? Why is my job not going good like I thought it should? Why is my relationships struggling? Why is my marriage struggling? Why am I not married? Why am I you know, in debt? Why can't I get out of debt? Um, I believe God's going to speak to you. Now, I just want to clarify. I'm not going to wave, wave a magic wand over everybody and you come out of financial debt. If you're in here, your marriage is going to be perfect. So I want to make sure I take that pressure off of me. But there will be a lot of things that make sense to you today. If you have a Bible with you, I want you to open up to 1 Kings chapter 17. That's the Old Testament 
First King chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. You can stop by the Next Steps table. We've got a free Bible there, and we'll just give it to you. There was a time in my life I didn't have one, and so don't be embarrassed. Just stop by there and get one. We'd love to give it to you. Um, if you have it on your phone or mobile device, turn that on, First Kings chapter 17. And in the Old Testament, there's a guy, there's a prophet named Elijah, not Elisha, Elijah with a J. And we're going to see him come onto the scene here. Now, if you've studied the Bible, if you grew up in church, or if you've just done some things on your own, you've probably heard the story that we're going to talk about today. It's rather lengthy, so I kind of want to dive in. We're going to go over some, th- some things fast. Um, but I think God's going to put a new, fresh perspective on some things. And remember, our, our, our whole bottom line for this whole series is we must embrace the uncertain if we're going to see the unbelievable. How many of you here this morning would love to leave knowing that God's going to, to bless you, that you're going to feel his blessings in your life this week? Would you love to? Yeah, absolutely everybody just about. So we certainly want to do that. So I say this a lot because I want you to hang with me. And I say that to say this. I put a lot of preparation into this, and I'm not demanding your respect. What I hope is as I begin to preach and teach that I command your attention. But Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are those who thirst and hunger for righteousness. If you'll hang with me this morning, you'll be blessed if you're thirst and hungry for righteousness. Amen? If you want to hear the word of God, then you will be blessed. So says Jesus, if we'll, we'll be uh, thirsty and hungry for his righteousness. I put a lot of time into this message, and I don't say that to like make you feel sorry for me, but I want you to know as I'm going to bring it, so I want you to, to hang with me, okay? Black box, how do we make decisions based off of wisdom? Specifically this morning, you had to be there learning how God helps us take next steps. Have you, speaking of you had to be there, you know basically what that means is. That's like when you're telling a story to someone. Like there was this time, my buddy Eric, the guy that plays drums back there. Let's just give Eric a round of applause too. Drum, you know drummers, they're so weird and emotional, so we'll make sure to give him some love back there. Well, this one time, Eric and I went camping, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not even going to tell you the story, because you had to be there. You know what I mean? Like, if I tell you, if I tell you the story, and you weren't there, you're just, you ever done that? You're trying to tell somebody this, like, great experience you had, and they're just like, nah, bro, I don't, I'm not feeling you, and you're like, oh, you just had to be there. You know what I'm talking about? Those moments where you just had to be there, and like, it could be hilariously funny, but if that person wasn't there, it just, you just bail out and say, okay, you just, you know what I'm saying, Zach, you just had to be there. Can you say, had to be there? You just had to be there. All right, awesome. So here we go. You had to be there understanding how God moves in our lives. It's going to be liberating. It's going to set somebody free this morning. It set me free as I prepared it. So we're in 1 Kings chapter 17. Let's dive right in. It says, Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, say that five times fast. Say that twice fast. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, King Ahab is the king back in this time, okay? As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give word. Elijah's a bad man right here to shut down the floodgates of heaven, amen, to be able to tell this king, hey, I'm shutting it down. On my word, it'll come back. In context, what you've got to understand is this. This King Ahab, he worshiped a false god named Baal, B-A-A-L, and Baal was known as the Phoenician rain god. And so here, this king of the land, is he's leading these people to worship a false god. And so in a lot of ways, what you see Elijah doing here is confronting his god, saying, my God, through me, is going to shut down the sky so he can open up the heavens and give you a word from him. He's a bad man to be able to do this. Verse 2. I love this. Aren't you glad that God speaks to his people? And the Lord said to Elijah, verse 3, Go to the east and hide by the Kareth brook. 
near where it enters the Jordan River. Now, some of your translations may say Wadi, W-A-D-I, and basically what this Kareth Brook, what a Wadi is, it's a stream that's extremely dry except for during wet seasons. You ever been up to like the watershed when there's been a lot of rain and there'll be like a certain stream where the water has just come down on it? Does that make sense? You know what I'm talking about? There's only a stream when it's excessive rain. You need to keep the context here. Elijah has just went to the king and said there's going to be no rain. Now God's telling Elijah to go where there's only going to, a place where there could only be provided by rain. So go to the east, hide there by this brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Verse 4. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you. For I have, com- I have commanded them to provide for you. Say this with me. I have commanded them to provide for you there. Where is there? There is always the place of obedience. Did you know God's provision often awaits our obedience? God's provision for our life is often based upon our obedience and taking our next step. See, it's so important that God said, go there. There. I know a lot of people, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings this morning. Some people in this room, I talk with you and I see it so clearly. Some people that I know in my family, you're in the last place that you trusted God. Like where you felt, where you saw God provide for you, you're just stuck there in that bubble because it feels good in your, in your comfort zone. But God said, go there to Elijah. Go there. Provision often awaits our obedience in him. So one of the things I want to talk to you, this isn't really like a three-point message, but one of the first things I want to talk to you about is support system. Support system. What we see is this King Ahab, he's leading the nation of Israel. And basically, not only is he leading them, but he's leading them into worshiping a false god, Baal. Elijah confronts him and says, hey, listen, my God's going to shut down the rain so that you can ultimately hear from heaven. Now, it would seem on the front end that this would be a cruel thing for Elijah to go to this king and say, hey, I'm going to shut down the floodgates because you know that a severe drought and famine are coming. But I think God wants us to see here is that when we rely on a system instead of our Savior, He'll often shut that system down, not to kill us, but to reveal us that He is the true provider. Amen? He'll shut these systems down that we cling to. Listen, some of you, you're clinging to a relationship that you don't belong in. You're at a job where you just make good money, but there's no fulfillment. And God will shut that system down to show you that that He is the true provider. Now, I want to share something with you as well as you think about this support system that this nation, they were depending upon this false God. They were turning from our God. Many of you today, many listening to this message, you've turned from God and you may not even acknowledge it that you're turned from Him. You depend on a system. You depend on a person to bring you happiness. You depend on a a paycheck to bring you happiness. You depend on circumstances to bring you happiness. And if the circumstances and provision aren't found there, then you feel inadequate or unhappy. But how many of you know... That when God shuts the system down like he did in the nation of Israel, that he has a secret stash of provision. Come on, that's good. Don't, if I just, am I the only one that thinks this is good already, or do I just know where I'm going and you don't? How many of you know that when the economy's down, God can provide the finances? How many of you know when your marriage is struggling that God can still give you joy? He's got a secret stash of provision. He shut down the rain for the entire nation of Israel, yet this man who was obedient to him, God said, go there fed him by the birds of the sky and gave him water to drink out of a brook. I believe with all my heart this morning, God's brought somebody here to receive a secret stash of provision that you need. You need it. God's provision will always await 
our obedience. As you think about the nation of Israel here, shutting the skies down, I think somebody needs to know this because we oftentimes, we give the devil a lot of credit. And I'm just going to be honest with you for a minute. I hear people say all the time, well, the devil's after me. And I'm thinking, well, what makes you so special that he's after you out of six, seven billion people in the world? Because listen, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time, but the devil is not. So when you say the devil's after me, what you're saying is out of the seven billion people, God has decided to do something in you. The devil. So if you think about this, this sports system being shut down, I want to say it like this. All that to say this. This is pretty good, I think. Not every drought comes from the devil. Not every drought comes from the devil. So you better be careful when you say who it's from. Right? Because Elijah was being obedient to God when he went to King Ahab. God, through Elijah, caused this drought and severe famine that was coming. Not every drought comes from the devil. Not every drought comes from the devil. Let's pick back up in our scripture, verse 5. It says, so Elijah did as the Lord told him. He was obedient. He camped beside the Kareth brook, east of the Jordan. Verse 6. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning in, in, in the evening, and he drank from the brook. How many of you have seen God provide for you in some pretty incredible ways? Like when there did it not seem there was a way that he provided a way. I mean, listen, basically what's happening here is Elijah's waking up in the morning, the birds are bringing him a little omelet, a little scrambled eggs, a little bacon. I'm a sausage guy myself. In the evening, a little protein to keep it lean. God can provide in many incredible ways. Listen here, verse 7. It says, But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. How many of you have felt like you were being obedient to what God did, was asking you to do, and then the blessing stopped? Just raise your hand. You felt like you were doing the last thing you knew God wanted you to do, and the blessing stopped. You ever felt that way? Let me tell you why I think this happens here. See, Elijah's done nothing wrong. Remember, not every drought comes from the devil. God told him to go to King Ahab. And he says, he told him to go there by the brook. Provision awaits obedience. He was obedient and went, and God took care of him. And then the provision stopped. And let me tell you why I think that is. Because some of us, we get comfortable trusting God in this one place, and we don't ever want to move. Right? You really become apathetic in your comfort, you become lazy. You're like, I trust God as long as God keeps me right here. I mean, I trust God as long as I don't have to step out of that box. Or like, me and, me and God are good. I had a conversation with my neighbor the other day, and this is cr- the craziest conversation ever. But basically, he was talking about how he's not living how he should be. But he's, that's what he said. But, I've been saved and baptized. Well, Good. But basically what you're telling me is you're still hanging on to something you trusted him 20 years ago. Since then, you've not trusted him anymore. So what I think God is doing to Elijah here when it says, but after a while the brook dried up, God said, hey, listen, I see that you trust me here. You know, because sometimes there can become here. Hang with me. This could get a little confusing this morning, but I know where I'm going. God said, go there, and then there became here. Now God wanted to take him there. Some of you this morning, you're here, and God wants to take you there. Right? And what's crazy about it is here feels really good to you. You think you're like living bold faith, but God's like, no, 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 no. 
I'm fixing to draw some things up for you to see if you really trust me. Hey, I know it's good. Listen, I was preaching to my own self as I was writing it, okay? I can see some of you get it and the rest of you are like, I'm not really sure here what's going on here. But listen, when there becomes here, God will potentially send a drought, a storm, to take you to the next place. So you could say it like this. God will provide through what he gives us. God will guide us through what he provides but he will also guide you through what he withholds. Right? He'll get you through when he's giving to you, but he'll get you through it when he's taking from you as well. Right? Job said he's the one who gives and takes away. So God is saying to Elijah, listen, you had to be there. There became a season by the brook. There became here. And so now he needed to go to the next there. Elijah was doing nothing wrong, yet God dried it up. Maybe some of you this morning, you're in a place where you trusted God last and you're seeing things dried up, and this is what the problem is. is you're, you really, I think a lot of people genuinely want to see the hand of God on their life, but all you're doing is just going in a circle in your little comfort zone right here. And you're like, where are you, God? And he's like, hey, I'm way over here. I left you there 20 years ago. I was there last week. I was there last week. Listen to what happens as we continue on the story. Verse 8. Then the word of the Lord... Hey. The Lord said to Elijah, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Listen, when God's provisions stop, when the blessings stop, when money gets tight, when marriage is struggling, there's still the word of God. Then the Lord said to Elijah, verse 9, Go and live in, a, in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed, say it with me, a widow to provide for you there. Some of you are with me. This is good. I have instructed a widow to provide for you there. See, it's always there that God provides. Where is there? The place of obedience. The place of obedience. God wanted Elijah by the brook for a season, but then he said, hey, listen, I'm going to dry things up because I see you trust me here. But will you trust me if I take you there? Notice, listen, when Elijah went to the brook, God commanded the birds of the sky to provide for him. Right? We see that he commanded provision. Now God says, go to Zarephath. And look what he said. I have instructed a widow say it with me, to provide for you there. There is the place of obedience. When you will step out and go where God wants for you, He will provide in the most craziest of ways. And let's just break this down and not act silly. If you think God was going to send somebody to provide for you, wouldn't you think it would be somebody wealthy? You would think on the front end, not that God obviously can't use a widow, So what we see here is God's provisions are amazing. God's provisions are amazing. When you become exposed to the vision that God is showing you in your heart for your life, it is easier to take a next step to go there. There is always the place of obedience. I think when some of you came to City Lots, maybe you're here for the first time this morning, And you're thinking, this place is crazy. We are crazy. You should come back next Sunday. You won't be disappointed. (laughs) 
You came, you were searching for a new church home, a new family, a new place to, to worship. You were looking for a new pastor to guide you and mentor you. And when you came here, you weren't really sure if you liked it here, if this would be the place for you. But then God began to expose you to what He's doing here in our ministry. He began to expose you to the vision we had to reach people far from God so that they could be raised to life in Christ through displaying His love, discipling His people, deploying His people, regardless if they are homosexual, straight, drug addict, child molester, murderer, far from God, or Sunday school teacher. We all need Jesus. And then what happened is this. I'm about to get fired up in here. Your here became your there. Now, God brought you here, but what you realize, this is your there. Oh, this is good. I can see some of you in your eyes. You're getting it. This is your next step. This is your next season of life. And we don't know how long it's going to be. And we don't ever say foolish stuff here like this. You need to stay here forever because we don't know how long you'll be here. I hope you stay a long time. I hope God lets me stay a long time. You came here not knowing, then God began to show you that this was your place of obedience and your here became there. Provision always awaits obedience. God told Elijah, I've commanded the ravens to provide for you there. I've instructed the widow to provide for you there. The second thing I want to talk to you about this morning is ulterior motives. Most of the time when we talk about ulterior motives, we mean it in a negative way, right? As in like we, uh, we had this one agenda, but then we have a hidden agenda. We have this ulterior motive. You could say it like this, and let me explain before I get it all the way out, because some of you will walk out and think I'm being blasphemous. God can kind of trick you sometimes. The Bible says that his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. So God will let you get into one thing, thinking one thing, Tabby. And then on the back end of it, Scott, he'll make us realize it's something else. Let me give you an example, can I? God will let you get into marriage thinking you're getting married to be happy. Right? God will let you focus on the wedding and the honeymoon. Hallelujah. Right? But he won't tell you about the mortgage coming. Right? He won't tell you that real arguments are about is a shower coat and open or closed. You don't even think about crap like that. My married men, you know what I'm talking about here. Amen. Amen. See, God has a way of getting you where he wants you because this is why. Not only are God's blessings, Daniel, intended to come to you, but he wants them to go through you. Just like salvation was never intended to come down from heaven to you without going through you. That's why faith comes by hearing the word of God. Don't tell me you're saved and don't ever speak about it. Don't tell me that. Listen, this morning God wants to bless you, Jessica, but he wants it to go through you to somebody else. Listen, that's why we tell people every week in the offering, be generous, because it's really not about you. It's not about me. Listen, I think you should give money away. You ought to give somebody a car. You ought to buy somebody a meal. You ought to do something for them that they'll never be able to repay you because God's blessings are meant to go through you. You are an ambassador of Christ. God has these arterial motives. He brought, listen, he brought Elijah to Zarephath, and he said, I've instructed the widow to provide for you there. So Elijah goes under the pretense that I'm going to be obedient and go where God wants me, but God's going to show him there's an ulterior motive there, that the blessing was not just for Elijah, but it was to go through him. Listen to verse 10. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gate of the village, say it with me, there, there, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, Would you please bring me a little water and a cup? 
Verse 11. As she was going to get it, he called to her, Hey, by the way, bring me some bread too. I want to set this up for you. The nation of Israel is in a crisis. Elijah has just been provided for by God, and now he's trusting that God will provide for him here. In a lot of ways, he's in a crisis. We're fixing to see that this woman has her crisis of her own, and God's going to bring them all together to show them their calling. Do you know that's why it's so important that we gather here this morning? Because we all have problems, and God brings us together to show us one common thing. He says, hey, bring me something to eat, too. But God has a different motive here. Look at verse 12. But she said, basically what she's saying is, I swear to God, boy. That's what she's saying. I wish you would ask me for some bread. That's what she's saying. I swear to God, I wish you would. I swear by the Lord your God that I don't even have any bread in my house. All I've got is a little bit of flour in a jar, a little bit of cooking oil. I wish you would ask me for something. I've got just a little bit in the jar, just a little bit of oil. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. Now, we don't know if this is because of the famine, the drought, if things have gotten really, really bad there. But what we do know is watch what God's fixing to do through Elijah. See, he did something to him. Now he's fixing to do something through him, verse 13. But Elijah said to her, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, girl. Go ahead and, go ahead and do what you do. Go ahead and do what you do. Look, but make a little bread for me first. I want to explain this to you. He says, make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Now, see, Elijah knows that God has brought him here, not just to bless him, but to be a blessing through him. All right, so he's acting on behalf of God here. So this could seem selfish. This woman just said, hey, I'm a widow. Me and my son, we're fixing to die here. But Elijah says, no, listen, go ahead and do what you said you were going to do, but first make me something. See, what Elijah is teaching her here is that if we'll seek first the kingdom of God, that he'll provide everything we need for us. Seems selfish, but God is teaching her through Elijah, hey, seek me first. Be obedient to me. Where is obedience? It's there. It's the place of provision. God's provision often awaits our obedience. Elijah in this moment recognizes that God wasn't taking him there to be fed, but God was taking Elijah there to feed her. Some of you this morning, you're wondering, why am I where I'm at? Because you thought God was going to do something to you, but what you need to do is take off the scales of your eyes and realize that God's wanting to do something through you. God wants to do something through you. See, that job that you have that you think is meaningless, God's saying, no, you had to be there because I'm going to do something through you. Some of you this morning are thinking, man, why did I grow up in this dysfunctional family? And God said, you had to be there because I'm going to do something or I did something through you that could only happen through you. You had to be there. You, be, you may be looking at this past relationship and you're thinking, why did this happen? And I'm not saying that God's knowledge is causative. What I mean, just because He knows it does not mean He causes it. God knew 9-11 was going to happen, but it does not mean He causes it. Does that make sense? Are you with me? But He's saying, hey, listen, you had to be there to learn something for me to show you how to go into the next relationship and treat her right or respect Him. God's saying you had to be there. Where is there? The place of obedience. This life is not just about you. It's what God wants to do through you. Listen to verse 14. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Listen, there will always be flour 
and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. See, what I think happens here is Elijah realizes the same God that provided the brook during the dry season can provide for her and make everything multiply. Some of you are stuck in the last place that God trusted you, and you need to step out in faith and remember, hey, I'm going this way, but I remember you provided when things were dried up. I remember, Lydia, that you provided for me at the brook. I'd kick these lights if they weren't so expensive. Elijah knows the same God who made the brook flow can make this oil and flower multiply. I'm telling you this morning, the same Jesus that rose from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit is the same Spirit that can raise you to new life today. Listen to verse 15. This is really awesome. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. Why? Because the blessing is never just meant to come to you. It's meant to go through you, right? And her, and her family, and Elijah. Verse 16, there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord promised through Elijah. Church, I don't, I'm telling you, I'm having an anxiety fit up here. You can't see it. I want to see everything at once, but I can't, so... I want you to hang with me. She and Elijah, she and her family, the blessing was never just for him. It was meant to go through him. Remember, we're asking this question today. Why am I where I am? I'm going to ask you this again. Have you ever had that question? Why am I where I am? Come up here, Troy. There's been several times in my life, come on up on stage here. There's been several times in my life when I've wondered, why am I? where I am, particularly when I'm driving down the road with my three-year-old, and she won't be quiet, keeps asking questions, and my five-month-old keeps crying, and I see my wife about to have a blood pressure problem. At that moment, going down 75, I think, why, God? I'm just kidding, but seriously. I often ask myself, come on up here, man. Everybody say hi, Troy. Troy leads our production team. Um, back there and does a good job with it. But I, I met Troy 2009 or 10, somewhere in there for sure. Yeah. Okay. At the last church I served at, and let me tell you what's funny, okay? This is why I didn't give Troy a mic. Of course, he's close enough where y'all can hear him because I want to be able to do a talk and say what I want to say and not let him say anything. <laughs> Troy and I, first, uh, we, the first time we hung out was we, you, got, you asked us to go out on your boat when your first option couldn't go. Remember your first option of friends? Oh, yeah. They canceled. And he told us, he was like, hey, uh, the people we really wanted to go can't go, but if you'd like to go, you can. It's a true story. It's all good, man. God, God worked it out. It's all right, I forgive you. And me and my wife ain't above sloppy seconds, so we said, sure, we'll go. Well, listen, God began to do something really great then. And since then, listen, we have, as recent as Memorial Day weekend, we went camping together. We've taken multiple vacations together out of state to the beach. We have shared meals together. We have done all kinds of stuff together. Um, We've done life together. Um, But at the last church I was at, there was times there, I'm looking back, and I can remember asking myself, why am I here? And it wasn't miserable. I had a good experience there. Okay, I'm not, this isn't like, God, get me out of here. But, you know, what's your purpose, God? What are you doing? Why am I where I am? What is my purpose here? Well, in 2012, God put a desire in my heart to plant this church. 
And there was two people besides my wife that I went to first. One was Troy, and then one was Eric, the guy that played the drums. Eric and I have been best friends forever. Um, if you ask him, he's one of the, like, I say he's my best friend, but if you ask him if I'm his best friend, he's like, I don't know. You know, you're, you know those people that say, this is my best friend. You're like, dude, I don't even know you. <laughs> now, we've been best friends since for a long time, right? I was there when his baby was born back in January. The, to the first guys I went to, and I was like, hey, listen, God is doing something to me that's crazy. He, he wants me to start a new church. I don't even know what it means. I don't have any money. I don't have a plan. Are you in? And so I went to Troy, basically, and we had this really bromance moment when we went out fishing on a boat. We've talked about this before if you've been here. We're basically, I tell him, hey, this is what I feel like God wants me to do. And Troy was like, hey, man, listen, I think God wants me to be a part of that. And I think if you ask Troy, this is a true story, this is the first time you ever felt like God called you to do something was to start this church. So I say this to say that. Remember, the blessing was never just to come to Elijah. It was to come through him. When I was serving at my last, my, the last church I served at, the blessing wasn't just to come to me there, but it was to come through me. God, through me, introduced me to Troy and his family so that we could both be a part of this blessing. Amen? Does that make sense? Love you, man. So you're asking, why am I where I am? And I look back on those days and I realize I had to be there. For Troy and Cindy and Caitlin and Trevor, for Eric, this morning you're asking God, why am I where I am? And God's saying, you've got to be there for this season. For this season, you've got to be there. You've got to be there. We don't always understand God's plan in the moment, but if we'll just be obedient, one day we'll realize, hey, I had to be there. I want to talk to you about the last thing in this, final arrangements. Have you ever experienced those moments in life where you feel like you understood what God was doing and then he was like, no, hold on. I got one more thing I want to show you. Just like now, you thought the message was fixing to be over and I'm like, hey, hold on. I got one more thing I want to show you. (laughs) Hey, it's too good to quit. We're even early, man. So it's good. I want to talk to you about final arrangements. This is verse 17. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse. And finally, he died. Now, back track with me real quickly. If the brook, let's be good before that. If the rain would have never stopped, Elijah would have never went to the brook. If the brook would have never dried up, he would have never went to Zarephath to meet the widow. If he would have never met the widow, he could have never been there when her son grew worse and worse. God had Elijah where he needed him. He had to be there, 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 so he could be there. Verse 18. Then she said to Elijah, O man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? Next verse. But Elijah replied, Give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying, and laid his body on the bed. Verse 20. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die. Listen, how many of you can agree with this? Even in the midst of God's blessings, you can still often doubt his provision. Can anybody just be honest? That's what's happening here. It's okay. The New Testament, we would say it like this, God, I do believe, but help my unbelief. So Elijah does the only thing he knows, verse 21, I love this, and he stretched him out. And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, 
Please let this child's life return to him. I'm warning if some of you this morning, you need to stretch your arms out and say, God, I am physically alive, but spiritually I am dead. I'm wondering if you need to experience God's provision on your needs, but it's going to require you to leave here and go there. Where is there? The place of obedience. Oh, Lord, my God, please let this life, the life of this child return to him. Listen to verse 22. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer. Aren't you glad that he hears the prayer of his children? Hey, tell me amen if you're glad. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Aren't you glad that God can make dead things come to life? Aren't you glad that God can make dead things come to life? The life of the child returned, and he revived. Listen to verse 23. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. He said, look, he said, your son is alive. Listen to me, church. As Jesus hung on the cross, the Romans, they looked up at him. He'd been mocked and beaten, barely recognizable. They said, if you're the Messiah, if you're who you say you are, then save yourself and bring yourself down from that cross. But that was the one thing he couldn't do because he had to be He had to be there. See, Jesus had to be there so that we could be rescued. If Jesus hadn't been crucified, He never could have been risen. If Jesus hadn't been crucified, we couldn't be forgiven. He had to be there. This morning, God is telling you, you're here, but I want you to go there. Where's there? It's the place of obedience. I can't tell you where where your next there is, but what I can tell you is there will be a place of abundance of provision in the most incredible ways where ravens will provide for you, where the dried up brook will pour out plenty of water. Jesus on the cross could not come down. He had to be there. Elijah had to be there. Elijah stretched himself over the boy three times. Jesus stayed in the grave three days. Elijah stretched himself over the boy. Jesus stretched himself out on the cross. After being in the tomb, pick it up, after being in there for three days, people went to find Jesus in the grave, but he wasn't he had risen. The angels began to speak to the people, the ladies, Mary Magdalene, them. He said, why are you looking for the Savior here? He isn't here. He is risen. He began to tell them, hey, go on to Galilee. Go on to Galilee and tell the disciples to gather there. Mark 16, 7. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. Say it with me before I have a fit. You will see him there. Say it with me. You will see him there. Tell me one more time. You will see him there. There is the place of obedience, church. You've got to step out. Rise up. Great are you, Lord.
It's in your breath. 